we're gonna circle back to fluids. That's not the patient population that we're seeing in the ED. Normal saline still is the most commonly administered IV fluid in the ICU. Very surprising results, Dr. Greenwood. Our practice has changed a lot in the past 10 years. Are there a lot of differences in cost? Final chapter hasn't been written on fluids. Welcome everyone to Critical Care Perspectives in Emergency Medicine. This is Mike Winters from the University of Maryland School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. I hope all of you are doing well this podcast. We've certainly seen in at least North America, COVID numbers have been down, but we've been seeing a resurgence in COVID with the Omicron BA-2 subvariant in our European colleagues' countries. So all of you listening in from overseas, we hope all of you are doing well in the midst of this perhaps and hopeful mini surge. What I want to do is bring in my two co-hosts for this episode, and that is Dr. John Greenwood and Dr. Rob Rodriguez. We are missing Peter during this podcast, and that is he is addressing some issues in New Orleans. Those of you that have watched recent news know that there was a lot of storms and even tornadoes that went through New Orleans overnight. So our thoughts are certainly with Peter all of his colleagues, their families, and everyone that was impacted by overnight significant weather in the New Orleans, Louisiana, and southeastern portion of the United States. John, let me start with you. We're about to record another exciting podcast. How are you this month? Doing great, Mike. I can't complain. Agree. Thinking about Peter right now and all the people down in New Orleans and everybody, I have to say I'm pretty lucky that we're not dealing with anything like that. Agreed. Agreed. And Rob, how are you doing this week? Likewise, doing very well and thinking about Peter and everybody else that are experiencing challenges, certainly in Ukraine. But yeah, otherwise doing very well here. I'm glad you brought that up, Rob. I was going to mention that while we have weather-related potential catastrophes here in our region, certainly it probably pales in comparison to what our colleagues are experiencing and many are experiencing in Ukraine and our thoughts definitely are with everyone impacted by the war in Ukraine. Well, let's transition to our educational topic for this month, and we're going to circle back to fluids. Some of you may be thinking, oh my gosh, not another fluid (laughs) study again here on CCPEM, but we love keeping you up to date with the latest literature. And the last time we chatted about fluids, well, that was at the end of the summer, be early fall, when we talked about the BASICS trial. And now we have another very important study to add to the discussion between normal saline and balanced multi-electrolyte solutions. And that is the PLUS study that was just published online within the last two months. Lead investigator, and many of you know him, Simon Finfer and colleagues, titled Balance Multi-Electrolyte Solution Versus Saline in Critically Ill Adults, published in the New England Journal of Medicine, as I stated, mid-January here in the new year. Now, as we have talked about numerous times, normal saline still to this day, despite our efforts, gentlemen, to convince otherwise, normal saline still is the most commonly administered IV fluid to patients in the ICU. And over the years, we've talked about studies that have raised concern about normal saline and the potential risk of adverse kidney event, along with several admittedly single center studies and some subgroup analysis that have suggested perhaps an increased mortality with the use of normal saline in some disease states 
namely sepsis. Now, as a result of those concerns, as a result of things that we've talked about, many have moved away from normal saline towards an increase or more use of balanced salt solutions in the resuscitation of sick patients. And as I alluded to that SMART trial a few years ago out of the single center out of Vanderbilt in the U.S. showed that in a composite outcome of major adverse kidney events, in fact, the use of balanced fluids and in their site, lactated ringers, may have decreased the incidence of those major adverse kidney events. And subgroup analysis of the SMART trial demonstrated that in sepsis, there did appear to be a mortality benefit with the use of a balanced salt solution. However, there have been a few smaller trials, less robust than the SMART trial, but nonetheless, other trials that have suggested a well, maybe there's no benefit. And we reviewed the basics trial at the end of August, early September. So that brings me to the objective here. What was the objective of the PLUS study, this latest article on balance solutions versus saline? Well, in essence, this study was conducted to determine if 90-day mortality was lower in critically ill adult patients who ended up getting this balanced multi-electrolyte solution compared to critically ill patients that received saline. So Rob, I'm turning to you. Take us through the study itself. What was it? Who was included? Who was excluded? And what interventions did they do here in the PLUS study? Yeah, Mike. So the PLUS study was an investigator-initiated, double-blind, parallel group, randomized controlled trial conducted at 53 ICUs down under in Australia and New Zealand. In terms of patients, they included adults 18 years or older, patients that were admitted to the ICU, they had to have fluid resuscitation deemed necessary by the treating physician, and they were expected to be in the ICU for at least three consecutive days. They excluded patients who had specific fluid requirements, patients who had already received a disqualifying amount of fluid resuscitation defined as greater than 500 mLs of fluid in the ICU. They excluded patients who were at imminent risk of death. Similarly, they excluded patients whose pre-existing life expectancy was less than 90 days and patients who had TBI, traumatic brain injury, or who were at risk for cerebral edema. In terms of their interventions, patients received the assigned trial fluid for all fluid resuscitation and compatible crystalloid therapy for up to 90 days after randomization. The treating clinician decided the amounts and the rates of fluid administration. And once the patient was outside of the ICU, the type of fluid administered was not dictated. All other treatments were at the discretion of treating physicians. In terms of their primary outcome, their primary outcome was death from any cause within 90 days of randomization. And they had a number of secondary outcomes, including peak serum creatinine during the first seven days, a maximum increase in creatinine during their ICU stay, receipt of renal replacement therapy, receipt and duration of vasopressor medications, duration of mechanical ventilation, ICU and hospital length of stay, and then death from any cause during the ICU. Outstanding, Rob. Thanks for taking us through the methods and basically what this particular study was. Well, John, you are going to bring us home. Tell us what they found. 
All right. Well, they enrolled a total of over 5,000 patients and each of them underwent randomization into two groups, one into either the balance group, which was a little over 2,500 patients, as well as a sailing group, also a little over 2,500 patients. So large study where a small difference in outcome would be found significant if it was there. And they had basically data for the primary outcome for about 2,400 patients in each group. So both pretty similar. In terms of their characteristics between the two groups, they were all pretty similar. So 45% were admitted to the ICU from the OR or the PACU. Almost 80% of them were intubated and a little over 40% had sepsis. And within 24 hours of randomization, both groups received a similar amount. In fact, 96% of those patients got IV fluids with a median duration of treatment with the assigned fluid for six days. So not an insignificant amount. This was beyond the initial resuscitation phase. The median volume of fluid given during that time was about 3.9 liters in the balanced group and 3.7 liters in the saline group. And the primary outcome, which remember was 90 day all cause mortality was not different between the two groups. So 21.8% in the balanced group and 22% in the saline group. Now they did go back and adjusted for baseline risk factors and secondary analyses, and there wasn't any heterogeneity in the effect of fluids based on the subgroups. So even after adjustment, there was no difference. But since this is a fairly large study, certainly there were some secondary outcomes that were worth looking into. And specifically, the authors looked at renal function. So there was no difference in maximum creatinine level during the first seven days, nor was there a difference in the max increase in creatinine during the ICU length of stay. And then while this wasn't completely powered for days alive and vasopressor free days, mechanical ventilation free days, and days free of renal replacement therapy, there was no significant difference in any of those clinically important outcomes either. So I think that's pretty important things that we pay attention to and think about in the emergency department and the ICU. And lastly, thinking about all the complications that we talk about in terms of higher volume, normal saline therapy, like hyperchloremia and a few other things, it does not appear that there was any difference in adverse events between the two groups. So bottom line is, is that this was a large randomized trial of over 5,000 patients with equal distribution between balanced solution and saline solution, where they were given a reasonable amount of fluids, about four liters between each groups, that there was not a significant difference in any of the clinical outcomes that they were looking for. Very surprising results, Dr. Greenwood. A few thousand patients in this study and no difference in 90-day all-cause mortality. Well, I'm going to be very interested in getting your thoughts, Rob's thoughts on this, but let me just highlight a few limitations that the authors note with respect to the PLUS study. Now, when they initially performed their power calculations, they were thinking that this patient group would have a baseline mortality of around 23%. Pretty reasonable. Well, in order to show an absolute difference of about 3% or 2.9 in 90-day all-cause mortality, they estimated that they needed to enroll about 8,800 patients. Well, you heard from John that they got a little over 5,000 patients. And well, like many things, 
COVID affected this study. In fact, in August of 2020, as a result of COVID enrollment, the trial management committee, along with the sponsor, decided to actually stop enrollment. So they went back and they redid some power calculations. And in essence, in order to detect an absolute difference now of just shy of 4%, the sample size of 5,000 patients was adequate. So that was changed during the study an important limitation. Like we talked about during the basics study, they also use plasmalate 148. And recall that has a little bit different chemical composition, a different pH, in fact, a pH closer to normal saline than some of the plasmalite products that we use, at least at my institution at Maryland. The other things to note were that they did not control, as you heard Rob say during the methods, once the patient got out of the ICU, they didn't control for the patient's fluid. So something yet again to take note of the PLUS trial. And then in contrast to basics, where they did find an increase in adverse events or mortality in patients with TBI who got balanced fluids, they didn't actually look at that patient population here in the PLUS study. So overall, you just heard the numbers, a little over 5,000 patients, no change in all-cause mortality. And I think also in contrast, guys, we've talked about these other studies whereby at the end of the day, the median amount of fluid these patients received ultimately wasn't that high. 1.1 liters in a big study, 1.5, I recall, around in the basics trial. Here, we're getting close to four liters of IV fluid, so much higher median fluid amount, and yet no difference in primary outcome. So Dr. Rodriguez, let me turn to you. Reflections on this study and how it impacts your selection of IV fluids. Yeah, thanks, Mike and John. So I have a number of considerations about this study. First of all, is the large number of post-operative patients included in the trial? I think it was 42% were from the, or 45% were from the OR or the PACU. That's not the patient population that we're seeing in the ED. Of course, you know, post-operative patients wind up in the ICU for a number of reasons, and that's, you know, really a, a very distinctly different population than we see in the ED that I take care of in the ICU in my role as mostly a medical intensivist. The second thing is I really don't like their choice of primary outcome, at least 90 day mortality. I don't think there's any study that's going to show of any measure that's going to show a difference in 90 day mortality, let alone something as really simple and basic as IV fluids. So their choice of that as their primary outcome is not really optimal, at least from my standpoint. They, of course, looked at secondary outcomes, and those were, again, not significant. So the outcomes like need for renal replacement therapy is a reasonable outcome to look at in a trial of IV fluid therapy. And in fact, was the primary outcome in the other studies that we discussed previously. So that's another concern. And how does this change my management? I don't know that this study changes my management a lot. I suppose it makes it okay to be using normal saline, but I really have in my patient population, the people that I'm seeing in the ED that wind up in the ICU, that's largely a different group of patients who are largely septic or, you know, 
may have an acidosis on top of whatever their primary illness is. And I'm going to continue to use balanced solutions for my patient population. So what I would like to see, and maybe we can start one, is a ED-centered randomized trial of IV fluids for critically ill patients, a robust one. I know that there have been a couple of smaller trials, but I would like to see that and get an answer to that particular question. The last thing that I ask both of you is, are there a lot of differences in cost between balanced solutions and normal saline? At my institution, it's a matter of pennies difference. I don't know that there would be a real reason to stick with normal saline over balanced solutions, but I don't know if that's the case at at your sites. Good question, Rob. I think it's variable. There is a slight difference in cost between balanced solutions at Maryland and normal saline. I think when you add up the total amount of someone's cost of care, especially across the ICU, a few extra liters of fluid at the end probably negligibly impacts the patient's overall cost of care, unless that fluid is beneficial and decreases organ injury length of stay. But strictly speaking, it's probably a matter of a few dollars between those products per liter, at least on our formulary, but it is variable based upon each individual's institution. John, let me get your thoughts, interpretation, considerations, implications of the PLUS study. Yeah, Mike, I think what's really interesting is all these fluid trials. Our practice has changed a lot in the past 10 years. And I think this is kind of analogous to low tidal volume ventilation after ARDSnet, right? Like that initial trial looked at 10 to 12 cc's per kilo versus six to eight cc's per kilo. That was a huge difference. Well, that's kind of the same thing that's happening in all these fluid trials. Like we've become a lot more conservative in the fluids that we're giving in terms of volume. We've recognized that that is a a really important clinical care aspect anymore is to minimize volume overload as much as possible. So it's going to be really hard to find difference in primary outcomes. You know, looking at the table one, 20% of these patients were admitted after elective surgery. And I agree, like those patients have a really low mortality to begin with. A third of them were from the emergency department. So that's of a little bit more interest here. But I think the volume of fluids is probably making more of a difference than the type of fluids, given that the amount of each is fairly low overall. So I think as long as we stay in that fluid conservative strategy, we're probably not going to see many positive trials coming out of these head-to-head studies of types of fluid, if you will, anymore. So, yeah, I agree with Rob. And, you know, as far as I'll defer to you, Mike, but I think the difference between LR, at least I know they use plasma light in this trial, but LR and normal saline is fairly small, but yeah, overall, I'm not surprised at the findings and it doesn't really change my practice because, you know, what we start in the emergency department is hopefully what's continued. So I try to start them off with what I think is probably more helpful, which is a balanced solution right up front. Well said, well said. And not only with fluids, but as you know, vent settings and many things that are started in the ED get continued for a while up in the ICU. So let's just kind of close this out. Now the authors just once again, restating their conclusions overall, they reported that 
the use of plasma light 148 did not reduce 90-day all-cause mortality in critically ill ICU patients compared with those who they randomized to receive normal saline. Interestingly, before they conclude their article, they do reference that there is an updated meta-analysis that actually included data from the PLUS trial. And actually, that updated meta-analysis did suggest a fairly high probability that, in fact, the use of balanced fluids does reduce mortality among critically ill adults. So the final chapter hasn't been written on fluids, and it probably won't be for some time, gentlemen. And I think that you said it best, really taking into account the individual patient characteristics, their conditions, the availability of specific fluids for all of our providers who are listening here in their resource settings, along with even drug compatibility in selecting those IV fluids, all of that we take into account when selecting and choosing wisely our IV fluid. Thanks, John. Thanks, Rob, for once again bringing us up to date on the latest hot off the press studies that are very impactful and with this yet another very important IV fluid study. So my thanks to the two of you. And my thanks to all of you for listening into this podcast. It has been fun, and we are going to look forward so much to chatting with you on our next CCPEM podcast. Bye for now.